It is that time of year. It's the new year. Um, who here is going to go out? Who is going to a party or something like that? Raise your hand. Okay, a few of you guys. Who is staying home? All right. You guys are my crowd. That's what I do, too. Um, I used to go out all the time and go to parties and stuff. And once me and my wife had our little daughter, Olive, we, we kind of just decided, you know, we're just going to stay in. We're, we're boring now. Um, and we, we have this tradition where we will get a bunch of like different snacks and we'll, we call it snack dinner. Um, and we'll just stay up and ring in the new year together. But over the past two years, my wife has fallen asleep like at around 10.30 or so. And I have just sat on my couch like 10. Nine. Um, but yeah, there's all these traditions that uh, many of us have for, for New Year. And, you know, there's the corned beef and cabbage. There's watching, you know, Times Square countdown. There's all these different things that we, we, we may do. Um, but one thing that has always been a tradition for me is every New Year, I get like really bummed out. Like, I get pretty depressed on New Year for some reason. It's actually gotten a lot better over the years. Um, but there's something about, like, this time of year where, where you kind of naturally start reflecting on the past year. And I've talked to a lot of people who, you know, whether it's on New Year or your birthday is another time where it can happen, where you think, like, man, did I, did I accomplish the things that I set out to accomplish this past year? Like, did I, you know, get that promotion that I wanted? Did I read all those books I said I was going to read? Did I lose that weight that I thought I was going to lose? Did I travel the world? I mean, all those things. And, and for some reason, I, I've always just kind of looked really inward and got really depressed on New Year's. And so today I want to do something, but I want to avoid that. I want to avoid, like, that kind of... Uh, navel-gazing, depressing thing, but I do think it's important to, to self-examine. It's important to kind of look and see where you are and where you've been over the past, you know, number of months. And so I want to start by doing an experiment. Uh, would you guys just, um, would you guys mind closing your eyes? You don't have to. If you, if you don't trust me, you don't have to. But I'm watching. <laughs> so I want to go all the way back to January 1st of this year. What was going on in your life? What were the things that you were maybe passionate about? What were the things that you uh, really cared about or you, you, wanted, um, you wanted to accomplish maybe? What were some of the things in your life that were, were difficult? What were some struggles? What were some areas that you needed to grow? And as the year went on and you, you had uh, highs and, and lows and peaks and valleys and lots of probably just mundane in between the peaks and valleys... What was going on? What were some of the highlights? What were some of the hardships? 
And I want you to think about this question. Do you think that over this past year, would you say that you have grown? Do you feel like you have, maybe maybe spiritually, you've grown closer to the Lord? That you feel more connected to him? Do you feel like maybe you've grown into the person that you are created to be, that maybe more of what God created you for, you're, you're kind of stepping more into that? Or do you feel like maybe, I've taken some steps back, actually. I'm not doing well this year. This has been a difficult year, maybe. My hunch is that many of us would answer it this way. Um, There's been a lot that's happened, but I haven't changed a whole lot. Kind of still the same person. I've kind of maybe stagnated a bit. We can open our eyes. So, the reason I ask those questions is again, I don't want us to get bummed out and get hard on ourselves and feel guilty or anything like that, but I think it's important to honestly look at our life and take inventory. And the call of of a believer, the call of a Christian or a follower of Jesus um, is the call to be a disciple. So typically, and in, in I think in the Western church, the, the call for a believer is to say a prayer and, you know, maybe attend church. And we, we, we are really seeking out salvation decisions, but we're not really pursuing discipleship a lot of times. And when I, when I say discipleship, I mean a disciple is someone who models their life after another person. So when we talk about being a disciple, we're talking about modeling our life after Jesus. And the life of a disciple is one of someone who is in this constant state of growth. And that can be uncomfortable, to be in this constant state of change and growth. But that is the call of a believer, to constantly be looking to Jesus and allowing him to change us, allowing him to speak into our lives. But I find with myself, and and I'm sure many of you guys would relate to this, that a lot of times my walk with Jesus, my Christian life, is a life of maybe just filling my head with knowledge. I'll read a book. I'll read the Bible and think, oh, that's interesting. I go to church and hear something. I'll go, oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. And it becomes this, this kind of information relationship where, where you know, I'm learning new things, but maybe there's not a lot that's changing in my life. James tells us in chapter one, he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. I think this is kind of the fundamental call of a disciple. And again, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about how we we enter into relationship with God. But I'm talking about if we want to be the people that God has called us to be, we are called to be disciples. 
to do what we hear the Lord telling us to do when we open the Bible to do what it says. So I think it's important to take inventory. Has, has that been a marker in my life? Have I been a person who, you know, was, was obedient to the words of the Lord? Or did I maybe come to church and hear a message and just kind of, well, nothing really changed. Right? I read something in scripture and, and feel challenged by it, but did, did I allow it to change who I was? Did I do what it asked me to do? Or did I just kind of continue doing what I was already doing? And the good news is this. No matter how you answered any of those questions, no matter how you answered how this past year has been, we are all in the same boat. We are all in the same boat. The the call to a disciple is the call to give God a daily yes. Every day we say, yes, God, what do you have for me? So no matter if this past year you gave a lot of no's or if you gave a lot of yeses, we each have the opportunity today to say yes to whatever God is speaking into our hearts. And one of my favorite things about the character of God is he is so merciful. He is so gracious. It tells us that his mercies for us are fresh every morning. So he's not sitting there saying, well, you're saying yes now, but what about that last year? What about that, that thing I asked you to do two weeks ago? He's saying every time you know, he's asking you to do something, he just has fresh mercy and grace for you. So we all have this opportunity today, and I think what a perfect time as we enter into 2019 to say, okay, I want to live a life Um, the way you have created me to live. I want to live a life of obedience as as a disciple. And so I want to encourage you guys, you know, this thing that we do, this, this gathering where we come together, I believe is really important. I think us getting together and, and, and worshiping and praying for one another and listening to the word um, is really important. And the Bible says it's really important. It says to not forsake the gathering of the believers, to not forsake this. And I think there's a trend um, in, 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 in America, especially there's this trend to move away from this gathering. And like, you know, my relationship with God is, is my relationship and I don't, you know, I don't really need to, 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 you know, come to church, but I just think this is really important. Not just because God says it is, and actually, in, in where it says to not forsake this, it says, and as people start, you know, forsaking it more and more, you, you attend even more. Basically, that's a paraphrase of what it says. But it, it, it says, like, it is important to God that we come together. And one of the reasons is because I think it's in this context where a lot of growth happens. I can, I can say that in my life. That it's been coming to church that I have grown so much by, by being challenged by others, by, by receiving prayer from others, by praying for people. It is, it is really, it's not the only place where growth happens, but it is a place where a lot of growth happens. 
And as one of the pastors who decides the, the, you know, the sermons that get preached, I want you to know that a lot of consideration goes into it. We, 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 we really wrestle through, like, God, what do you want to say to our church? What are you doing in our church? What are the areas in which you think that we can grow? And sometimes we, we duke it out a little bit. We argue about things. But we also, we just pray a lot. God, would you, would you lead us in the areas that you, you want us to go. And so today what we're going to be doing is kind of a, a New Year's tradition for our church is we're doing a year in review, which that means we are going to go through every sermon that's ever been preached. So lock the doors. This is going to take all day. No, we're going to go look at a bird's eye view of all the series that we, we've gone over. And we're going to go through them really fast. So like right at the point where you're like kidding, like, oh, this is going to be good. I'm going to change and start talking about the next one. Um, but before we jump in and take that like kind of bird's eye view, let's just pray. So Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Lord, I thank you for how much you love your church. Lord, and I pray that you would speak through me. And you would use uh, these, these, these different messages that we've had throughout the year that you would remind us that things would be coming back to our minds and that we would, we would say yes to you this morning. In your name, amen. All right. So in 2018, we had nine different sermon series. And... As we go over these, if any of them like sound like, oh, I want to know more about that, or that was a really good one, or I didn't, I didn't hear that one, I encourage you, you can go to uh, vcdc.org and listen to all of our sermons, or you can search us on iTunes, or if you want an actual physical CD, you can go to the information desk, and there's little yellow cards, and you can just request like one of the sermon series, and we'll, we'll give you those free of charge. But the first series we did in 2018 was a look at the Gospel of John. And that was all the way back in January. And the Gospels are the first four books in the New Testament. They're the stories of Jesus. This, these are the accounts of Jesus' life. And they're, they're written by different people who had firsthand experience or all these different people who were either walking with Jesus or, or looking from uh, maybe an outside perspective. But the, the Gospel of John is very unique. And it's one, it's, it's, traditionally been my favorite gospel sometimes others will will you know become my favorite for a little bit but john kind of consistently is my favorite because it's very special it's a, it's very different than the other ones and one of the reasons that it's so different is because it was written by maybe jesus's best friend John was so close to Jesus. He knew Jesus intimately, and so his book has a different flavor than the other ones. And, and John's purpose in writing, what it, what it seems to me, is, is that he wants to get across something that he finds really important about Jesus. And it's not that Jesus was really kind or, or that Jesus was a great teacher or anything like that. He wants the reader to know that Jesus was divine. 
that Jesus was God. And so he uses this phrase a lot. It's kind of the subtitle of our, of our series, so that you may believe. He says, I'm writing this so that you may believe or, or, or you know, that he, Jesus did these things so that you may believe. And one of my favorite things about the book is that John refers to Jesus' miracles as signs. I think that's really cool. And the, and the reason that I think that's cool is because a sign is not necessarily the thing that you're looking for, but it helps us find the thing we are looking for. And I find so often within the church, we are looking for the signs. We are, we are pursuing miracles. We are pursuing healing. We are pursuing the, the acts of Jesus, but we're not actually looking to Jesus. And John says the miracles, the healings, the, the, the miraculous things that, 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 that Jesus did, those are actually just signs that point to him being God. And so that we should be pursuing Jesus and not just the things that he does for us. I think that was really interesting. Um, I remember a couple years ago, I took my daughter to Disneyland, uh, and it was awesome. It was so much fun. And as we were approaching, um, about two miles out, there's this huge, huge sign that's like out of control. And Olive started freaking out. She was like, Disneyland! And I was like, just wait. Like, if you think the sign is good, <laughs> wait till we get there. And there's this kind of encouragement, like, am I, am I, or this challenge, am I pursuing the signs of Jesus, or am I pursuing Jesus? And John wants us to know, even at the very beginning of the book, he says, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and, or the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, and he, and he says, the, the Word is Jesus. So at the very beginning, he's setting the stage that Jesus was with God, and he was God. And so this is like kind of the fundamental thing of the book of, of, of John, is that Jesus is God. And so we asked ourselves the question in that series, well, who do we say that Jesus is? And if we say that he is God, how does that change the way we live? Because it should. It should change the way we live if we believe that Jesus is really God. All right, so that was the series on John. The next series we looked at was a series called Distracted. You guys remember this one? I was a bit distracted when we went through this one. Ha, 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 that was a joke. Um, but the, the series uh, Distracted was all about how God created us to be in relationship with him. That we were created to, to have intimacy with him, to know him, to be known by him. And not only did he create us to, to be in relationship with him, but he created us uniquely. That he created you and wired you in a very specific way and that he made you on purpose for a purpose. 
And, and also he created us to be in community with one another. He, he's called us, like we were saying, to, to not forsake this, to, to, to be together, to walk through this life together because it's hard and that he's called us to community within the church. And, 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 and also he has created us to join with him in his mission of restoring the world back to himself. That there's these, these four different unique things that he's made us for, to connect with him, to connect to our purpose, to connect with each other, and to connect with the world. And we talked about in the series what distracts us from that. Because we all get distracted. I get distracted. And so we talked about uh, things like busyness. That we're really busy. Like we're working a lot, we're, 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 we're taking things that God has given us that are good things and making them a distraction. Like for some of us, it might be family things. Like we, we want our kids to have a better life than we had, so we like get them in like all kinds of extracurricular activities and all kinds of things, and we don't have time for the things that God wants us to do. Sometimes it's things that are like, uh, they're not necessarily bad things. They might actually be good things, but they're the comforts like our, 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 our cell phones. Our cell phones can be a distraction. Who here has like kind of dreaded that weekly update where it tells you how much you've been on your phone? Maybe something like Instagram or, or Facebook where there are things that aren't bad. They might actually be really good tools to connect with people and, and, and things that we can use to, to you know, whatever, but we've, we've used them just to distract ourselves. Maybe television or video games. Maybe they're internal things like insecurities or, or wounds from, from when we were children that, that weren't our fault. But they've become these things that have, that have taken the focus away from God and, and what he's created us to do. And God wants to minister to that area. He's not, he's not like calling us out, like, get over that thing that happened to you. But he's saying, hey, let's deal with that. Let's begin to work through that. Or maybe it's a sin issue in your life. Maybe it's a behavior or an attitude that you just keep on turning to, and it is. It is distracting you from God. And I gotta say, this, this series was really convicting to me. It really was. When we, when we would talk about, you know, the things like our cell phones, I started thinking about the, the, the times where my daughter would say, hey, Daddy, can you put your phone down? And stuff like that. And it was really convicting. And, and so I made a conscious effort, like, hey, when I'm home, I'm putting my cell phone in the other room. And, and things like that. So there were these convict, convictions for me. But I want to ask you guys, what was it for you? Were there things when we talked about what distracted you, what distracts you, what were the things that were coming to your mind? Maybe even just now you're thinking like, oh, this is what's distracting me. 
The next series we did was a series on the minor prophets. And the minor prophets are not lesser prophets, but their books are smaller than the major prophets. They're in the Old Testament. They're guys like Jonah and Micah and Habakkuk and Hosea and, and different guys. And we looked at um, a bunch of them and just kind of looked at the messages that they had for us. And one of the things that we saw, um, and I won't go super deep into this one, but one of the things that we saw was that God actively calls people in, in, out of things and back into relationship with him. And God regularly speaks to the people he loves and challenges them and encourages them. And, 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 and the people of God have the opportunity to listen or not listen. But the pattern we saw is when they didn't listen, there was discipline that happened. And I have learned that the same pattern is true in my life. And I've seen it over and over again in others that the same pattern is true, that God is faithful to speak to us. And whether it's through scripture or, or you know, a friend or, or a pastor or it's through him speaking directly to our hearts, he's faithful to speak to us. And when we don't listen, God disciplines us. And he disciplines us out of love. The same reason I discipline my daughter is because I want her to grow. I want her to, to be kind. I want her to be obedient. I want her, the best for her. And so he disciplines the ones that he loves. But he is faithful to speak into our lives. And are we faithful to listen to it? Are we faithful to do the things he's asked us to do? And again, God is a loving gracious, merciful God. And he doesn't discipline with like a heavy hand of, of shame. If it's shame that you're feeling, that's not the discipline of God. That's something else. His discipline is, is out of love. So next, we looked at the book of Philippians. Um, the, the letter uh, of Philippians, it was a letter that Paul wrote to the church of Philippi. Um, and if I had to narrow down the book of Philippians to one sentence, uh, and it might be a run-on sentence, so if you are an English major or something, don't hold this against me. Um, but I would say that it is about God is inviting us to have our lives transformed so that we can find joy in all situations. The, the book of Philippians is all about joy. And in fact, many theologians call it the, the letter of joy. And Paul talks about how in all situations, he, he wrote this letter from jail. And he says, all, in all situations, I have learned that I can find joy. And we talked about what joy is. And, and, and one thing that God really spoke to me is that joy is so much better than happiness. Happiness, I believe, is just a cheap substitution for joy. It's not bad. It's not bad to be happy. But, but happiness is circumstance dependent. If you give me a piece of cheesecake, I am happy. If I drop my cheesecake, I am not happy. 
But joy, joy runs so much deeper. Joy says, if I have or if I have not, I can have joy. I can have joy. No matter what's going on in your life, and as I look around, I know, I know many of you are facing very difficult situations. Situations that, I mean, honestly, some of them like really break my heart. I mean, some of you are facing difficulties with, with career. You're, you're, you might be out of a job or, or, or can't find the job that you, you know, can have to support your family and it's, it's difficult. Some of you are facing issues within your family, like, like with your parents or with your kids or, or with a spouse. Some of you are, are facing really hard marital problems right now. Some of you are, are dealing with sicknesses, with, with maybe sickness that you have or someone that you love has, and it is difficult. And one of the f- beautiful things about joy is joy doesn't exclude mourning. Joy doesn't mean that you can't ever you know, be sad, but it says there is a hope and a peace and something even deeper than just happiness that you can have in the midst of trouble. And Paul tells us how to find that joy. He tells us that it's not, you know, looking inward that, you know, a lot of things in today's society will say, hey, you know, it's within you and it's really deep inside and it, your true self, you'll, you'll, you'll be happy. But Paul says, no, that's not it. And it's not about these following these, you know, if you follow my five easy steps, you'll have joy. He doesn't give us a pattern. He says that joy is actually found in a person. That Jesus is our joy. And that if we can fix our eyes on Jesus, we can have joy in all situations. But the trick is, how do we do that? It's hard. It's easier said than done. And, and that kind of leads to the next series. It was a mini-series that we did called uh, Pause. Pause, Rhythms of Grace. And what this was is us looking at different rhythms or disciplines that we can put in our life that enable us to look clearly at Jesus, to kind of clear out some of the things that have been distractions for us. And so we looked at things like silence and solitude, and we looked at Sabbath and, and rest, we, we learned that sometimes we just need to dial down. We need to get into a quiet place. We need to, you know, get alone for a little bit. We need to take a nap. Because we, we were designed, part of the rhythms of being a human being is that we only have this much capacity. We don't have this much. And we, we need to dial down a bit. And when we, when we rid ourselves of, of the noise and the busyness, we are able to see 
Jesus more clearly. One of the, the biggest problems with spiritual disciplines, whether it's fasting or Sabbath, is we think the goal is Sabbath or the goal is, is you know, is fasting. But all those things are, are things to help position ourselves to see the actual goal, which is Jesus. They just help us to see Jesus more clearly. So we don't do it to discipline ourselves to be stronger. We do it to see Jesus. And one of the things I thought was most important about this series was we found that true rest isn't found in taking a good nap. And true rest isn't found in taking a vacation to the Bahamas or, or whatever. But true rest, the true rest that we are all looking for is found when we can really understand deep in our hearts that when Jesus said, it is finished, he meant it. That the work is completed. We don't have to strive And when we understand that when Jesus said, it is finished, that is true. The work is done. And our true rest can be found when that truth penetrates our heart. And one of the only ways we can let it penetrate our heart is when we dial down. It's interesting. The next series we looked at was... Maybe, I think, the most popular series. This was the one that I think people really responded to. I heard probably the most feedback about this one. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. But this was called The Invisible War. Do you guys remember this one? This was a good one. And we talked about this war that has been happening since, like, the beginning of time. That there's this war happening all around us. And the reason that we called it the invisible war is because it is happening in the spiritual realm. We can see the effects of it in the physical, but it is a spiritual war, a supernatural war that is taking place all around us. And we are not bystanders. We're not bystanders. We 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 are... in the war, whether we like it or not, and the only decision that we have is what side we want to be on. In this war, the sides are the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. The Bible tells us that that our enemy in this war, the, the war is not against flesh and blood. It's not. It's against the the principalities, the kingdom of darkness. It's against Satan. And so what I found in my life is sometimes I I confuse that. And I make certain human beings my enemy. Like, I don't know, my boss or my neighbor or I don't know, it could be any number of things, but there is no person or people group that is our enemy. Atheists are not the enemy. Muslims are not the enemy. Immigrants are not the enemy. Republicans are not the enemy. Neither are Democrats. 
Neither are the rich, neither are the poor, neither is your ex-spouse, neither is that kid who's picking on your kid at school, neither is, you know, fill in the blank. They are not the enemy. At most, they are being used by the enemy and, and therefore they're being held hostage by the enemy. And so our hearts need to be filled with compassion for those people. You know, the, 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 you know, the judge who's making a decision that you don't like. Like a politician who, who you don't like. Homosexuals. You know, fill in the blank. This race, that race. They are not the enemy. Satan is the enemy. We need to remember that. Our war is not against flesh and blood. And the cool thing is Jesus... He has given you authority over the enemy. Do you know that? That you are men and women of, with authority. That Jesus says that all authority has been given to me, so therefore you go. You go and make disciples. You go and fight the battle. And so when we face, you know, demonic activity, when we face the enemy in our lives, we can take authority over the enemy. Because one of the things I love that, we, that Michael would say is that we are not fighting this war for victory, but we are fighting from, from victory. That the war was won when Jesus died and resurrected. And so now we are fighting from victory. And we are fighting with authority. And authority doesn't mean that we are really powerful. It means that he is really powerful and he has given us authority to use his power. Which is cool. It's like a badge. Like a badge in and of itself doesn't have a lot of power. Like you can't beat someone with, I mean, you could. But a badge represents power. It says this badge tells you that I have power. Like, I love when, you know, the old, like, stop in the name of the law. It's the law that had power. And we say, stop in the name of the law. And we can say, stop in the name of Jesus. Leave in the name of Jesus. Stop, stop giving me nightmares in the name of Jesus. Stop messing with my family in the name of Jesus. We have power over the enemy. And the way that we fight this war is, you know, we don't, we don't want to become people who are obsessed with the demonic. We don't want to be people who are going out and looking for demons around every corner and looking for darkness and fighting it. The best way we can fight this war is by pushing light, by going out and loving people, by going out and spreading the gospel, by going out and praying for sick people, by, by giving food to a hungry person, by loving people. And when we are doing those things, we are going to face opposition when we use the authority that God has given us. Next was another mini-series on the book of Jude. This was called Hey Jude. And, and this one uh, was all about contending for our faith. And, and, and it was talking about how our faith is under attack. 
And, and wouldn't you think that in today's society that uh, the, the faith is, is under attack? But, but Jude talked about it's, it's not necessarily from the people that you might think it's from. The book of Jude says that it's an internal issue. And so he, they would say that when we contend for our faith, it's not about becoming a really good arguer. Or it's not about, you know, you know, fighting for the rights of Christianity. It's actually, do your lives demonstrate that you love Jesus? Do our lives demonstrate and represent that we have a God that's really good and is in, in control? And the problem, the biggest problem within the, or against the church is typically within the church. And so to contend for our faith, it would say we need to be, we need to be people of God. Next series that we did was, was uh, my favorite psalm. And this is where we asked you guys, what were your favorite psalms? And we did a, we did a series on what, the, the ones that you guys said were your favorites. In the book of Psalms, they're a collection of worship songs for the church at the time, the people of God. And, and, and this is important because I'm not just saying this as a worship guy, but this is what we are made to do. We are created to be worshipers. And, and one of the things that I loved about this book was it had these two really extreme uh, ways of worshiping God. There were was, there was some psalms that were like, hey, we're celebrating, everything is going great. Thank you, God, for how amazing you are. Thank you for creating the earth. Thank you for delivering us out of this. You're amazing, we love you. And then other ones were like, I feel like I'm being crushed. I feel like my enemies are, are surrounding me. But, but I'm going to look to you, and I trust you. And I think what, what was really cool about that is that both of those things are worship. Both of those things are saying, God, you are the source. Whether it's like, everything's great, you're, you're the source. Or everything is not so great, but I'm looking to you. They're both fixing our eyes on Jesus. And there's something really interesting about worship. We are created to worship. And I don't just mean to sing songs. We are created to worship in, in everything that we do. But there is something really special about creativity and art. It's, it has the ability to express something that words sometimes fail us. I was listening to one of my favorite songwriters talk about uh, songwriting, and they were asking him about a specific song, and they were like, I think it was Bob Dylan, I can't remember who it was. But they were like, hey, what was this song about? And he said, if I could answer that question, I probably wouldn't have written the song. But there's something that music is able to express something that our words can't. And we know this is true. Like, if I want to have a romantic evening with my wife, if I want to set the mood, I don't go up to her and say, it is romantic time. And now, like, no, I might put on some music. Right? 
or if I want to get amped up to, to go work out, I can put music on that d- expresses something that maybe my words can't express. Same thing with painting, same thing with poetry, same thing with, with sculpture. Art expresses something that our words can't. I think there's something really special when the people of God come together and sing to him. Like the song, Happy Birthday, is just saying happy birthday. But when you sing it to someone, when you come together and sing it, it expresses, we love you, it's all about you today. I think Jesus really likes it when we come together and sing to him. The last series that we did was a series called Behold. This was our Advent series. Um, And... We called it Behold Journeys to Jesus. And it was looking at these four different stories of people that were invited to come and and see Jesus. To come and behold him. And the thing that really um, stood out to me was how these people were, were walking through life, living out their unique story. They all had a story that they were telling with their life. And then Jesus came and intersected their story and invited them into his. And I know that is true for all of us. You are living a story today. We are all living a different story. And Jesus wants you to know that he is inviting you to come be a part of his story. And his story is beautiful. His story is a story of redemption, redeeming the world, restoring the world. And he's saying, you want to be a part of it? You have a vital part in the story that I'm telling. And so we all have this opportunity to come and behold him, to see him, and to be a part of his story. And so as we end and we, we begin to look forward to, to 2019, I, I want to encourage you to, to even go back to what we were talking about in James. If you want to put that verse in James up. That we would be people who don't, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive ourselves, but we would be people who do what it says. So so maybe today there was something that was said that sparked your interest or that you felt like, oh, God is calling me to do this. Or maybe nothing I said did and maybe it would be something that you read in the Bible later today or something that a friend says to you. But I just want to encourage you guys to to, let's let's be disciples. I'm, I, I, frankly, I'm sick of being a person who just fills my head with knowledge of God. I want to be a person who says, God, I want to go where you're going. I want to do what you're doing. I want to say yes to you. And I just want to issue that challenge for us as a church to be a church that says yes to Jesus, even when it's hard even when it's uncomfortable, even if it's boring, even if it's you fill in the blank, that we would say yes. We would not just merely listen to the word, but we would do what it says. Why don't we stand?
We're going to just end off. I think maybe the, the best way for us to kind of go into the new year is just to wait on the Lord and say, God, we are a church that is centered on you. And we want to go where you go and do what you do. So let's quiet ourselves and just, just ask the Lord to come speak to us. So Holy Spirit, we give you permission to have your way with us for this last 10 minutes. Just fall on us, Holy Spirit. Fill up your people. As we're sitting here, I just got kind of overwhelmed with like a feeling of, of sadness and, and grief. And I felt like it was the Lord letting me experience um, maybe what some of you might be feeling. And so, let, I mean, just, just taking a step in faith, is there anyone here who just feels overwhelmed with sadness or grief? Raise your hand. Bless you guys. I, I really think God really wants to bring comfort to you. So if, you, if, you, if you're feeling that way, can, can you raise your hand? And if the people around, if you feel comfortable, we'd just love to pray for you. Can you raise your hand if you're feeling that way? And, and if someone is raising their hand around you, just, I know it's a kind of a hard thing to respond to. It maybe feels a little embarrassing. I get it. You don't have to raise your hand, but I just encourage you. God wants to minister to you. I felt like there was also some people here who just, you feel extremely busy and you don't see any way of it slowing down. And so when we talked about distractions and busyness, it almost felt hopeless to you. If you, if you feel just super busy, can you raise your hand? Raise your hand if you feel just really busy. Oh man, I talk to people every day that feel really busy, so... Raise your hand. Just let's, let's, be let's, let's be courageous. If you feel really busy in this season of your life. Okay. Let me just pray. If anyone's raising their hand, just pray. Lay a hand on them. And if you have sickness in your body, is there anyone here? Raise your hand if you feel sick or um, there's pain in your body. Raise your hand if you, if you could use prayer for something like that. Okay, so anyone who's raising a hand... If we could just gather around those people and pray. But Naomi's going to lead us in one last song. And if you need prayer for any, anything at all, if you just lift up your hand and the people around you would love to pray for you. And as we pray, we're just laying a hand on their shoulder. If, if, always ask if it's okay if you can, if you can lay a hand on their shoulder. Um, but we're just going to just invite the Holy Spirit to come minister as Naomi leads us in one last song. So raise your hand if you wanted prayer for if any of those things applied to you or if you want prayer for anything at all.